Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is, is your host, Nick Sororis. I hope you got a chance to check out some of the work from earlier in the week. Had some really, really strong episodes. Had two guests during the course of the week. Had Andrew Schnitger on to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes. And Brian Smith to talk about the Florida Panthers. Yesterday, we discussed the impending Jersey retirement of Henrik Lundqvist, why Henrik Lundqvist means so much to me and so many other people out there in the hockey world. Today's show, very straightforward. Conference Championship Sunday. This is one of my favorite days of the entire year. It's not It's not the divisional round, which is my favorite weekend of the year. But this is where we get, this is where the football nerds have their moment in the sun. When you think about the teams that are left, there are four teams remaining. The Bengals, the Chiefs, the Rams, and the 49ers. They all took different roads to get here. There's some similarities. There are some differences where these teams get their ideas from, the type of rosters they've built. But when you think about it, that's one of the few things about football that really is fascinating is that even as in a sport as competitive as football with so many different schools of thought, you can still have this kind of world where people can take old ideas, tinker them just a little bit, and make them work for today's league. And that's what you have here with the four teams remaining, and we'll get into it when we talk about the matchups. But I'm just so excited to see how these games shake out because... We've seen them shake out already during the course of the season. In the regular season, Week 17, all four of these teams played the exact opponent they're playing again this weekend. Back earlier in the season, the Rams and 49ers played a stinker where the 49ers bully-balled them. Week 17, the Chiefs blew a two-possession lead against the Bengals in Cincinnati. And it made things very exciting. I... This is a great weekend. I, I, I keep going on and on about how excited I am. For a football nerd, it doesn't really get better than this. You get all of this time because there's only two games. You get to do all the prep work, which is very fun. You Of these teams, is humanly possible going into this weekend because you want to have an idea of what you're going to see because this is the highest level of football. This is where you're going to see other teams taking ideas from. No strangers here. We all kind of expected these teams to be here with the exception of the Bengals, who are an outlier. We get that every few years where you get a team out of nowhere. The no-one-believes-in-us team, like the Eagles a couple of years ago, the Giants when they won both of their Super Bowls, the Ravens. The, the, the no-one-believes-in-us team is a powerful motivator, and we're going to discuss that and a whole lot more. But before we get to today's show, I do have to remind everyone to help support the show. First of all, subscribe to the show, whatever podcasting platform you like to listen to, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, we're there. Subscribe. Next, please leave a review if you're using Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Spotify, you have to listen to a few episodes before you're able to leave a review. But please, once you've done so, leave a review on Spotify. On Apple Podcasts, it's really straightforward. You just go to the show's page, you scroll past our recent episodes, down to the bottom, five clear purple stars. Hit the one furthest to the right. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. Leave a few words of encouragement, please. Support your content creators, okay? We are putting in lots and lots of work to put together this one-hour show. I mean, 
over the course of the last day and a half, I've spent six hours on prep for this episode and yesterday's episode doing research and getting my notes together. It's a lot more than just sitting down at the microphone and talking for an hour or so. So any feedback really is appreciated. Interactions, that stuff matters to content creators. It helps us out a lot. Have a blog going up on Friday. A little bit shorter version of the Henrik Lindquist episode I did yesterday. If you would prefer to read something a little bit more concise than listen to an hour of conversation. I understand that. Some people, everybody has their preferred medium. I am very much a podcast and reading guy. I know there are a lot of people out there who are video people who prefer to consume content that way. So whatever tickles your fancy, I've got some supplement for you for Henrik Lindquist's jersey retirement. Okay, preamble's out of the way. I'll see you guys on the other side of the drop. We'll talk some conference championship weekend football. Scared money don't make money, you know? You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Is going to try to avoid getting sacked in the end zone, and he can't. And that's going to create a safety. <laughs> and that's going to end, end the game. And you know why I'm laughing, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> of course you do. There are some people happy, some not so right. happy. And there are some like going, I can't believe what just happened. In the league where they play for pay. Okay, let's get on into it. First game, chronologically, and I always do the games chronologically when there's multiple games in the same weekend or day, we have the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Arrowhead to play the Kansas City Chiefs, where the Chiefs are seven-point favorites. The total is 54.5. Like I just said before in the monologue there, Cincinnati... Nobody believes in us as a powerful motivator when you're talking about professional athletes. We don't talk about it enough, but Tom Brady is 44 years old and still using the fact he was the 199th overall pick as motivation for himself to get himself angry enough to go out there and show all of the other teams in the league why they messed up in not picking him. Anger, retribution, revenge, being petty... I am all for that as a motivator. You think about Lou Brown motivating the Cleveland Indians in Major League, the uh, the movie from the 90s. He went in there the first day and said, every, t- every newspaper in America has picked us to finish dead last. I'd like to see those reporters eat a bunch of shit burgers because fuck them. And that's what the Bengals have done this year with Joe Burrow at the helm. And I say Joe Burrow at the helm, not Zach Taylor at the helm, because this is Joe Burrow's team. This is Joe Burrow's team through and through. I know Zach Taylor is going to get Coach of the Year buzz. I know there's a lot of, well, everybody was ready to fire Zach Taylor. Any coach would have been fine with Joe Burrow this year. I promise. I promise any coach would have been fine with Joe Burrow this year. Speaking of someone any coach would have been fine with, we just saw Mahomes play one of the best quarterback games ever at that position. Just flat out one of the best performances we've ever seen from a quarterback in a playoff game. Last week against the Bills, finding a way to win, no matter how insurmountable the odds were. The other day I was listening to one of the gambling podcasts I listened to, and they said the live odds when Kansas City got the ball back with 13 seconds left. The Chiefs were 16-1 to to win the game on the money line, and Pat Mahomes made it happen. I, I don't know if everybody saw the clip from inside the NFL 
on Tuesday that made the rounds on Twitter. But both of the big plays on that possession, the screen to Tyreek Hill and then the double move vertical to Kelsey for that sets up the field goal, they both came up with those at the line. Kelsey suggested the play to Hill exactly where he should be in relation to Kelsey. That play, the Chiefs are meant to be here. The Chiefs were a tr very popular pick to return to the Super Bowl again. This will be the fourth straight conference championship game they've played in. Four very fun games. Kansas City is so damn electrifying. And this is one of those rare cases where I don't have a vested interest in either team. I just want the best game possible because I like both of these guys. I like Mahomes. He's one of the most exciting players I've ever seen play football. And Joe, I staked my flag in Joe Burrow that senior that senior year at LSU that he was going to be all right at the NFL level because he was so damn smart. And he's proving that. Pat is not. Pat has so much God-given physical ability. Joe doesn't have that. Joe is a between-the-ears, pretty good athlete, but not elite. He doesn't have any elite traits. Got okay arm strength. He's got, I'd say, above average mobility. He's not an insane athlete like Mahomes or Josh Allen. He can't throw a football through a brick wall like one of those guys. He's got moxie. He's really good pre-snap. And that's infectious. The way Joe Burrow carries himself, it, it inspires his teammates that we're supposed to be here even though they're not. Nobody had the Bengals as a playoff team coming into this year, maybe outside of the Cincinnati area, if you were especially optimistic about that team. But when I think about the Bengals, they're, they got here. And for a franchise like the Bengals that has limitations based on their ownership, they don't spend all the way to the cap. They do not have the best infrastructure. They don't have the best talent development. They don't have the best player personnel department. They don't have a gaudy scouting department, a crazy analytics department. They're here. And yes, them getting here is validating all of those bad habits and things that shouldn't be just allowed flat out. If you're going to own an NFL team, you should have to spend the minimum amount of money on your front office infrastructure because it's unfair to just milk your fans for money and be consistently bad like the Bengals have been for most of that franchise's history. But we're circling back. This is about the games. Not This is about the game and not the off-the-field stuff. Next point I wanted to make. We've seen this before, where two teams play an absolute classic game, and then the following week, the winner of the classic game is just kind of exhausted emotionally and physically and isn't able to get up for the game to the same degree. It's really difficult to endure that kind of game like the Chiefs did last week against Buffalo, and then get up for the game the following week. I know Kansas City has been in these wars now for a few years. They're a consistent playoff team, consistently making deep playoff runs. It's hard to get those juices going all the time, man. It is very hard, to, no matter how talented you are, to get up for a moment emotionally is challenging. You have to do that, and that's in your subconscious too, to some degree, where you're trying to not let your subconscious win in the sense that you might be physically exhausted. You're probably emotionally exhausted. You probably thought you lost that game two separate times to the Bills last week and you survived and you got there. You can't be satisfied with that. And I like to think the way Mahomes is, the way Andy Reid is, the, the guys in the room understand 
that's not what the job was. The job wasn't to make the title game. The job was to get to and win the Super Bowl. That was the job. Job's not finished, to quote the late Kobe Bryant. Job's not finished. They're not here to be in the AFC Championship game. The Chiefs are here for Lombardi's at this point. When you're going to pay Mahomes the half a billion dollars over the life of his contract, when you have Andy Reid at this point in his career as a coach, when you've got Tyreek Hill, you've got Kelsey, you've got the Honey Badger, you've got Chris Jones, it's about Lombardi's for that franchise. It's difficult to peg where the Bengals are at emotionally because a lot of people would just assume they're happy to be here. And that would be enough that this season was a nice surprise. They probably won't be back next year because that division is going to get reconfigured again because the Ravens are going to make some changes. The Steelers are going to have life after Ben. I imagine the, the Browns will be a little bit better than they were this year because Baker was just so injured and so bad flat out. It'll be difficult for the Bengals to make the playoffs again and win that many games again. Just the way the bounces when you're a team that wins a lot of one-score games, it's really difficult to win one of that many one-score games multiple years in a row. Now, transitioning to matchups, this is one of the most clear-cut advantages of any two position groups in any game so far this postseason. Everybody knows the Bengals' offensive line is not very good, that Joe Burrow got sacked nine times, that they cannot pass block very well, that they need to be able to run the ball to some degree to take some of the heat off of Joe Burrow. So I went and looked up the pass rush, win rush, run win rates for all of the game for both of these games for all of the teams. So Kansas City's pass rush win rate. So when their pass rusher wins their matchup against the offensive lineman, they win 44% of the time, seventh best in the league. Cincinnati's pass block win rate, so they don't give up a pressure, a sack, a hurry, whatever. They keep their blocker in front of them. 49% of the time, which is the 30th ranked pass block win rate in the entire league. Reminder, there's 32 teams in the NFL, so not very good pass blocking. And then you get to the run stop. Kansas City's run stop defense is not great. It's towards the bottom of the league. It is 27%. It is not very good. Cincinnati's run block win rate, they win their blocks 71% of the time on running plays, which is 10th. Back to my point. Defense is a little bit off balance, and they can't just pin their ears back. If the Chiefs get out in front and it's 10 nothing, 13 14 nothing, God forbid 21 nothing, this is over because they are going to pin their ears back and they're going to drive Joe Burrow into the ground like Goldberg's hitting a spear on Monday Night Nitro, okay? It is not going to be pretty if the Chiefs get out in front early. Now, you think about it on Cincinnati, not Elite pass rushers, Trey Hendrickson is nice. He's pretty good. 15 and a half, 16 sacks this year. Impressive. Sam Hubbard is an okay pass rusher. Better against the run, I would say, than pass rushing. But the Chiefs are legitimately good on the offensive line. They're second in pass block win rate, third in run block win rate. And we know the Chiefs have five new starters from last year. They dramatically overhauled. They drafted two guys. They went out and signed two marquee guys. They traded for someone. And that matters. The Chiefs went into the Super Bowl last year and got body bagged against the Buccaneers because they couldn't keep Mahomes upright. And it doesn't matter how good Mahomes is, if he's upside down and unconscious driven into the turf, he can't throw the ball off his back. Actually, I shouldn't say that. He probably will do that this weekend and throw it straight up in the air and somehow Travis Kelsey will come down with it. 
But you get what I'm saying here. Trenches are such a challenging area of the field. And it's where a team with less talent can make up the difference. I would argue San Francisco is less talented than the Green Bay Packers. San Francisco won because they controlled the line of scrimmage and they won on special teams. They made Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable that entire game, and that matters. If the Chiefs can manage to not shoot themselves in the foot with their pass rush like they have, that's just the way Steve Spagnuolo is. As a Giant fan, I can attest to this. Steve Spagnuolo will always be a live-and-die-by-the-blitz kind of coordinator. Because his corners aren't amazing coverage guys, he's going to have to send heat to speed up the quarterback because his guys can't play coverage for four to five seconds. That's just too much time back there for uh, Sneed and Ward and Chiquisky Tart. Not just Chiquisky Tart, Chiquisky Tart's on the 49ers. Daniel Sorensen. Just thinking about all of the defensive backs on Kansas City, assuming Tyron Matthew will be back this week, that would help them out immensely from a signal-calling perspective to get them lined up because Matthew does that. But purely from a talent perspective, because the Bengals, for all of their flaws in the trenches, they do have playmakers. Jamar Chase is maybe the single best playmaker left in all of the playoffs between all of these teams. I would probably take Tyree Kill before him, but that might be it. Jamar Chase is probably the second or third best playmaker in the entire playoffs remaining, and you get him the ball in space, there's not a lot of people in that Kansas City secondary that are going to be able to make plays on him. You think about what Gabriel Davis of the Bills did last week against that chief secondary. Jamar Chase, that kind of guy. You give him opportunities to attack you in the seam because the Chiefs are in so many of those one high looks or the three high looks where the seams are open. You let them attack you. It gets very scary if Kansas City can't get after the passer because their secondary is so meh. And Burrow has done this. We saw it when these two teams played in the regular season. Jamar Chase had that big play on a third and 27. They scored a 60-yard touchdown on a third and 27 because the Chiefs blitzed. So they took somebody out who would have been in coverage and sent them, which left all of their corners and safeties in man situations where it might have been a zone concept, but they're all responsible for one person. Jamar Chase is not somebody you can cover with just one person. Math. It's crazy how much math matters to my life now, even though I hated math my entire school experience. But got to use a lot of math when you're thinking about these things. Football's a numbers game. If you send somebody from somewhere, that means there's an open space. If there's an open space, that's probably where the ball is going. That'll be something to keep in mind. It's one of Joe Burrow's best traits, his ability to understand where pressure is coming from, where he's going to be able to throw the ball, where the ball needs to go based on who's coming at him. That stuff is invaluable when you're going to be under pressure. And you're going to get sacked. Joe Burrow probably gets sacked in this game four or five times by Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Just There's too much talent on that Kansas City pass rush to not have pressure against this kind of offensive line. And then on the other side, the flip side of things, Pat's going to get his yards, whether it's underneath checkdown stuff. They did use a lot of Byron Pringle in the last game. Nicole Hardman had the jet sweep touchdown, which was a good way to get him the ball in space because he's so fast. What's Cincinnati going to do to slow down Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill? You're going to have to pick one of those guys to cue in on. It took a little while for the Chiefs to get Kelsey going in that game in terms of involvement. He really, and in crunch time, that's who Pat 
was looking at was Kelsey and getting him the ball in those key situations where they needed a first down. There was a fourth and eight, if I remember correctly. They hit him on a stick where Kelsey got right to the marker. He boxed out his defender and used his body to box out the defender and win a jump ball. Cincinnati's defense isn't bad. I like Awuzier. I've always liked Mike Hilton, even when he was in Pittsburgh. He's a pretty good corner. Eli Apple will probably be a problem in this game. Just a flat out, I imagine Eli Apple will make a bad mistake at some point in this game. Who it'll be against is the question. If they motion Tyreek Hill into the slot to kind of hide him, if that's Kelsey, Apple ends up against, it could be a very long day for the Cincinnati secondary. We are at the mastery level situation here. When you think about like your high school, college, master's, doctorate, the Chiefs are running a master's program in what is what is essentially the air raid offense. That's basically what Andy Reid is running, a, a take on the air raid offense. There's so many different concepts folded into this that they incorporate to help their guys out. And then their guys incorporate their own little wrinkles in them, like I mentioned that clip from inside the NFL. I'm very excited to see what Kansas City does in this game. So deciding factors. I think the trenches are a big gap here. I really think this is too much of a gap to withstand because Kansas City is just so much better at pass and run blocking than Cincinnati is at getting after the quarterback and stopping the run. We'll see what Kansas City chooses to do, how they want to put stress on this defense, if they want to be a little bit more slower tempo, kind of, Build it out slowly, not really go crazy with um, awesome concepts until they need them. There's a lot more running, a lot more screens, a lot of Jarek McKinnon. We saw some Clyde Edwards-Elair last week, which was good to see. What they're going to do to create offense, I'm curious to see how they do this. We all know Andy Reid loves to save things that, unless the game is dire, he's not going to break out anything crazy because he wants to save it for situations where shit gets crazy and he needs a play. It's how Kansas City ended up blowing the game in the regular season in Week 17. where They were up 28-17 at the half, and then the Bengals gave up zero points in the third quarter and three points in the fourth quarter ended up winning the game. Because Andy Reid gets out to a big lead, and then because he doesn't want to show anything, he stops. He takes his foot off the gas. We've seen this a number of times with Kansas City. They did that in the regular season against the Bengals. Last year in the regular season against Tampa, where they got out to the 27-3 lead in the first half, Tyreek Hill was going for like 300 yards. He was on pace four at one point in that game, and then they just stopped trying on offense because they didn't want to burn anything. And that's a real thing. I There were two scenarios for this game. This was either Kansas City big or Cincinnati by a field goal. I don't think there's a world in which Kansas City only wins by field goal. I don't think there's a world in which the Bengals blow out the Chiefs. I think this is a I think this is a touchdown game. I am picking the Kansas City Chiefs minus 7 to cover. I hate cu- betting on the Chiefs to cover because they don't like to cover. They are very bad at covering. So far this playoffs were 6 and 4 against the spread. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not elite, definitely very close to losing if Kansas City hadn't pulled that rabbit out of their ass last week against Buffalo, but we're 6-4 and four so far. We're going to add Kansas City minus 7. That's our first pick. Now, transitioning to the NFC Championship game, 
this is the game I'm more excited about because I, I'll be honest, I, I am very invested in Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, and Sean McVay, both as coaches of the teams they're on, and then as just as thought people, as figures in the football community, because I believe in a lot of their concepts, their ideas, and how they like to play offense, how they've chosen to build their teams. Because they both come from the same place. Everybody's talked about it ad nauseum. They've been on staffs together. They worked for Kyle's dad, Mike, in Washington together. They've been a number of places. They're running Mike Shanahan's wide zone offense from John Elway and Terrell Davis back in the 90s in Denver. That's all they're doing. And they've updated it. They've added their own little tweaks. McVay, he simplified it a lot. They don't have a ton of plays in the Rams' playbook. All of their confusion comes from how they line their players up in pre-snap motion and where the quarterback throws the ball from. They don't have a ton of concepts and ideas. All of their trickery is in the window dressing. That's the way football people call it. That's I, I, Collinsworth has called it window dressing more than once, and it's kind of boring to call it that, but that's what it is. You're trying to spice up what looks to be a certain look to make it look like it's something else, even if it is what it originally looked like. And that's where McVay has run into problems in the past, most famously in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, where they just could not run, get the running game going. Granted, Todd Gurley was playing injured. There was a lot of C.J. Anderson in that game who got called off his couch in Week 17 of the regular season to play running back for the Rams. So it's complicated. It's very difficult. And it's part of why we've seen San Francisco be able to, to challenge the Rams so well, and why San Francisco's beaten them six straight times, why McVay hasn't beaten Shanahan yet. And controlling the line of scrimmage is what I've really harped on during this playoff run and all of the previews and the recaps, because San Francisco is a perfect example of even if you don't have the superstar elite special quarterback, which they don't. Jimmy G is not an elite quarterback by any means or any metric. They hang around because their front four gets pressure and because they can control the line of scrimmage well enough to run the ball. And a lot of the way they run the ball is conceptually as opposed to just talent. They, they're very... I was very surprised when I went and looked. San Francisco, 14th in pass block win rate, 18th in run block win rate, which you would think for a team like San Francisco that's so dependent on running the ball, they would actually be good at run blocking. They're not. They're middle of the pack, a little bit below average at 18th at run block win rate. They are so good at running the ball because of the way they scheme things up. Because they use so much two tight ends, so many two backs, why they have Kyle Juszczyk, the most expensive fullback in football, when most teams don't even roster a fullback. It's the way Kyle has chosen to manipulate Mike Shanahan's version of the wide zone offense you have the fullback out there because it gives you an extra wrinkle it helps you run things at the line of scrimmage when you want to run a power you want to run duo when you have a fullback that can crack the way use check does that matters a lot in the run game when you have george kittle who is a great blocker at tight end at coming off the edge to seal it against a smaller edge rusher that matters and that's how you would stand not having amazing talent on your offensive line Trump Williams is one of the best left tackles of all time, the 49ers left tackle. Alex Mack is pretty old at center. Mike McGlinchey at right tackle is injured. They've been playing Tom Compton, who did not play particularly well against Green Bay 
Rashawn Gary blew him up a lot in that game. Like, I remember down in my notebook, Will Compton, question mark, because I thought it was Will Compton, the guy who used to be on Tennessee, Tom Compton, my Google search told me. I was very surprised how little help they were giving him that they were still ending up putting the help on the opposite side. I get it. Zadarius Smith is also a very good edge rusher. It ain't getting any easier against the Rams here, Kyle. But before we get to that matchup, I do want to touch on one last thing. There is a weight of expectation in this game. The Rams traded all of those picks and Jared Goff for Stafford for games like this. McVay's offense does have its limitations. He thinks the difference between Goff and Stafford is enough of a difference that it can make his offense potent enough that it's not a problem anymore. That they're going to ask Stafford to make some plays outside of structure, and he's going to be able to do it because of his God-given physical talents, which he's done in stretches. He's also played some hero ball. He was tied for the league lead interceptions with 17 this year. That was a problem. He does occasionally take a little bit too much dip on his chip trying to force balls into windows where he shouldn't. There's an expectation here. The Rams made the first round last year. They won against Seattle. Then they went to Green Bay and lost because they couldn't stop Devontae Adams. And they couldn't score. They couldn't move the ball enough to score. That was a problem. They went out and got Stafford. They added Von Miller before the deadline. They locked up Leonard Floyd. And that will be... That might, I hate to sound like too much of a nerd, but these are, these pass rushers in this game are going to be so much fun to watch. So now we'll talk about the matchups. When you think about it, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, that is fucking awesome to have as a threesome together. There's not a, it's not surprising to see the Rams were number one in pass rush win rate and number one in run stop win rate. Because those guys are out there flying. When you are constantly able to get pressure with just your rushers and you don't have to blitz, you don't have to send that extra person, that is how you win a game without having a special quarterback, which these teams have had to do, which the Rams did with Goff for most of his tenure, that they were reliant on their running back, whether it was Todd Gurley or last year with Daryl Henderson and um, Cam Akers. You need to be able to control the line of scrimmage. And this game is going to be a great test, especially because of the way both of these offenses operate. They need to be manipulating where the numbers are. They need the pre-stat motion to determine that. They need play action to get people going one way so that another part of the field is open. San Francisco will take a, a couple. They'll take two or three deep shots a game. The Rams are going to push it down the field a little bit more. They'll have a little bit more of the 15 to 20 yard attempts down the field. 49ers are going to try and keep Jimmy keep Jimmy on the tracks. And that is the biggest thing for them is keeping Jimmy Garoppolo on the tracks. So matchups wise, I want to see Nick Bosa just wreck a game again like he did against Green Bay. Just Nick Bosa is so, it is hard to fathom how good Nick Bosa is. For my money, he's the best non-Aaron Donald player in football. I think Aaron Donald is still the best player in football. I think Nick Bosa is number two because of how much he impacts the game and how much he impacts the way the offense wants to operate. 
those are the two strong points of the Rams offense. We got to see if Andrew Whitworth is going to be able to play. He missed the game last week against Tampa. They didn't miss him too much. Tampa's pass rush wasn't really an issue till later in the game. And then on the other side, Rob Havelstein, who's been pretty good at right tackle, but not he's not as good as Whitworth. So there's going to be opportunities for Nick Bosa. The thing I want you to watch with Nick Bosa in this game, look how low he gets when he gets into his three-point stance. He's almost completely got his he's got his ass at a perpendicular angle to the ground. And then with the bisecting angle he makes to the ground, he is so low when he starts up that he's able to explode up, be able to push through the rusher, or he's so low he can bend underneath them. And that's what makes him so special is he's so explosive, but he's also got crazy bend where he's able to get around the pass blockers at such weird angles. He does occasionally run his motor a little hot. He will have to come out here and there. San Francisco will take him out for plays at a time to let him recoup because how intense he is when he's out there. And they rotate in. They will rotate all four down linemen at points on defense to keep their guys fresh because they know they need their pass rushers to be the difference in this game because their secondary is nothing special. Mosley, Ward, Williams, Tart. God help you if you see, um, not Richard Sherman, he's not there anymore. If you see Josh Norman out there, call it myself, you see Josh Norman out there, God help yourself. Um, the Rams are going to be able to move the ball a little bit in this game. We've seen them be able to move the ball against San Francisco. Not so much the first time they met where the Rams got out to the big lead and just body bagged them on offense and it didn't really matter what they did and they just couldn't really get it going because they were behind so much. So you get those guys in obvious passing situations and you just let Nick Bosa pin his ears back and go get Matt Stafford. That's challenging. Tom Compton versus Von Miller or Leonard Floyd. That will be that might be the single most important matchup in this game. Because if Jimmy G is getting his shit rocked and he's even more skittish and jumpy in the pocket than usual, it's going to be a rough game for San Francisco if they cannot have Jimmy make the 15 to 20 pass attempts they're going to need him to do if they want to win this game. That's the thing. The recipe for San Francisco is to shorten the game. It is 25 pass attempts at the most from Jimmy Garoppolo. It is controlling the line of scrimmage. It is letting Debo Samuel be a maniac with the ball in his hand. It is getting one or two big plays from George Kittle. And most importantly, it is not letting Jimmy lose you the game. If you lose this game 27-24 and the Rams just had the ball last, you can live with that. You cannot live with Jimmy Garoppolo being the reason you don't win this game because the turnover against Green Bay last week when they had first and goal, inexcusable to be rolling right, throwing back across your body to the middle of the field. And then to do what he did it against Dallas before in week uh, in the first round of the playoffs where that game was more or less over if San Francisco came down and got a field goal. And he gave Dallas life in that game by turning the ball over there. The, the momentum swings will matter in this game because of the types of quarterbacks these guys are. Jimmy will take a little bit too much dip on his chip at points. He's going to take, he's going to have five, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh, 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 plays in the course of that game where you have absolutely no idea what he's doing. And it's either going to be a big play or an interception because he just, 
he's got too much confidence in his athletic ability for somebody who's got a shoulder injury, a wrist injury, and apparently an elbow injury, which I was reading about before. So there's just a lot to unpack in this game in terms of what Jimmy matters. And now that we're going to talk about the deciding factors in this game, I lean the trenches favoring the Rams. I think the Donald Floyd Von Miller trio is just something we rarely have seen in the NFL to have that much pure pass rushing talent on the field at one time together. And yeah, you have Jalen Ramsey floating around out there in the star backer role. That's a lot. That is a lot of talent on that defense. You got Darius Williams out there. Who's pretty good as well at the other corner. I'm curious to see how Jalen Ramsey responds to Mike Evans kind of bodying him last week. That one double move Mike Evans had that was like a 60-yard touchdown was just a demoralizing play. If if you're the Rams, that that's very difficult if you're going to try and wet, withstand that blow. I lean the trenches, favor the Rams. Quarterback, I obviously lean the Rams. Skill positions, I got to lean the Rams, man. I love Debo and I love George Kittle. I like Brandon Ayuk a lot, but Cop, OBJ, Tyler Higby have had really good games in the playoffs so far. Just really good games. And they're going to put stresses on this San Francisco defense. And it's going to be up to D'Amico Ryans, the coordinator, and those guys to find a way to not let Debo kill them. If you get killed by George Kittle, you can live with that. You can't let Debo be the reason you lose this game because we know that when Debo gets the ball in his hands, they're going to ask him to make eight people miss or to break six tackles because he's a superhero. Don't lose to the superhero. If you got to double him, if you got to send screaming heat on one side, if you want to overload and you want to put Floyd and Vaughn on the same side, do that. Make the 49ers get rid of the ball before they want to. Force them to throw the ball. Don't let them get their running game going. Do not let San Francisco get their running game going. The familiarity matters. Three times in a season is a lot of repetitions against the same team. You play these guys, divisional opponents, you have a familiarity. Shanahan has beaten McVay six straight times. That does matter in terms of preparation in terms of understanding what the other team is good at. And that's something that Shanahan's teams have figured out. And it's been with different defensive coordinators because they had Sala last year. They have D'Amico Ryans now. They have had different defensive coordinators and still been able to make it work. They need to manage not to let the one or two Cooper Cup big plays kill them. And you can get Stafford to make mistakes if you get him rattled a little bit. And that'll be the job of Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, some of the other pass rushers you're going to see in there. I'm very curious. I'm very curious to see what we get from Matt Stafford in the biggest game of his life. This is the biggest game of Matt Stafford's life. Oh, come on, Rangers. What are we doing here? I'm very tired of the K. Andre Miller Trooper pairing. Okay, back, back to the football. This is the biggest game of Matt Stafford's life. We've seen him play two pretty good playoff games. They weren't bad in the first. He wasn't bad. He wasn't the problem in the first round. They won, and then he 
played okay against Tampa. He wasn't incredible, but he played more than well enough to win, and he made the biggest throw of the game, the Cooper Cup, at the end there to set up the last pl- to set up the game-winning field goal. That matters to be able to do that. That is the kind of play Jared Goff can't make, and that's what I was talking about in the first part of the conversation about this game. The weight of expectations of trading for Matthew Stafford to be able to make a few plays outside of structure that Jared Goff couldn't. That will be... That is imp- that is why you make the trade. You're going to need Matt Stafford to make two or three plays that Jared Goff is just physically incapable of. And that's not a knock against Jared Goff as a football player. Jared Goff is a fine NFL quarterback. He is not elite. He doesn't possess any amazing traits. He's an NFL starter. He's somewhere between 20 and 32, depending on the week. If your team has him, you either need to be rebuilding or you need to be built like the Rams of three years ago or San Francisco presently, where everything around him is perfect and he doesn't have to do too much. Stafford, the difference between Stafford and Goff, very well could be the difference in this game. Initially, so let me walk you through my logic. Initially, my thought was, there's no way the Rams lose seven straight to the same team. I just, I don't see a world in which that's just, just based on law of averages of the ball bouncing a different way this time when they meet, that the Rams have to break through eventually. And the gap here, there's a little bit of a talent gap here. The Rams have more high-end talent. San Francisco's roster might be a little bit more well-rounded. They might have a little more overall depth. But the high-end players on the Rams outnumber the high-end players on San Francisco. You've got a few blue-chip guys on both sides for both teams. You think about Debo, Kittle, Trent Williams. You think about Nick Bosa. You think about Fred Warner. Then on the other side, you think about Cooper Cup. You think about Aaron Donald. You think about Jalen Ramsey. You think about Vaughn Miller. You probably have to think about Odell Beckham because of what he's been in the playoffs so far. Rams have more of those blue chip guys, the people who can make plays outside of structure that can win you a game like this. That is probably going to be close, just based on, just based on the feel. This has all the makings of a rock fight. I think this is going to be a game in the teens, the low twenties. Probably come down to whoever has the ball last. If the line was three, I would take the Rams. It is three and a half. We're taking San Francisco. I'm riding with Kyle and Kittle. Make me proud, Kyle. I'm My Kyle Shanahan fan club card is worn. It's laminated. It's in my wallet. I want to bring it to the Super Bowl again, okay? I want to see you get your revenge against Pat Mahomes or play Joe Burrow if the Bengals manage to win that game. So, as a recap, our picks, we have Kansas City minus 7. We have the, the 49ers plus 3.5. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. I hope... You get a chance to check out the Lundquist episode I did yesterday. Check out the blog I wrote on Gotham SN about Lundquist. Go back and listen to the episodes from earlier in the week with Andrew Schnicker and Brian Smith. I want to thank those guys for giving me some time this week. Trying to get some guests lined up for next week. I'm playing DM tag right now, trying to iron out times. So that would make sense. Looking at a few teams for hockey to kind of keep the theme going of looking at teams at the midway point. Trying to get somebody to come talk about the Coyotes and the weird situation where they might have to share a hockey arena with Arizona State's hockey team, which is only a 5,000-seat arena, which the NHL probably shouldn't let them do. Okay, that's enough of a wrap-up. Remember to please subscribe, leave a review, all that good stuff. 
Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the football. There's only two weekends of NFL football left before we got to wait till the draft to start getting food, food again. It's going to be a hungry stretch here for a lot of people. I'll see you guys on Monday, and we will unpack both games.